0: Church, our God is sovereign, which means he holds ultimate power and authority. He is sovereign over the universe, and he is sovereign over our lives. He is the Lord of this day, and in his sovereignty, God is raised up, and he has torn down nations. Uh, friends, he is worthy of our singing, and he's worthy of our submission. So let's submit to him today. Uh, let's give him our hearts. Let's give him our lives. Let's hear from him. Let's open his word And invite him to lead us and to speak to us uh, and to transform us by his grace. And church, as we do so today, on this day, as we do so this week in particular, we can't help but to do so uh, remembering those that God has used to serve us and to bless us. Uh, Tomorrow is a national holiday for us living here in the United States of America. Uh, It's Memorial Day It's a day to remember and to mourn the military personnel who lost their lives serving in the United States Armed Forces. And so let me invite you for just uh, the next couple minutes to pause with me uh, and to hear from one of our own, uh, Chaplain Colonel John Lang, as he comes, as he leads us in a prayer of remembrance.
1: Hello, I'm John Lang a chaplain in the Army National Guard and minister to senior adults here at Meadowbrook Baptist Church. This Monday, our nation will be observing the Memorial Day holiday, a time of solemn remembrance and thanksgiving for those members of our armed services who paid the ultimate price defending our nation's ideals and interests. Perhaps the most cherished of those ideals is the freedom to worship together as God's people. Let's take a moment to pray and thank God for those who sacrificed defending that freedom. Would you join me in prayer? Our Heavenly Father, we thank you for the gift of life. We praise you for your might, strength, holiness, justice, love, and mercy. And we thank you for Jesus' sacrifice so that we might be forgiven for our sins and have a relationship with you as your children. We thank you for our nation, and the freedoms that we enjoy, that we can gather together as your people to worship you, and we thank you for the men and women who have voluntarily put their lives at risk, and yes, even lost their lives, so that we may be free. On this Memorial Day, we ask that your Holy Spirit would draw near and provide comfort to those families who grieve the loss of their grandfathers and grandmothers, fathers and mothers, sons and daughters, Husbands, wives, uncles, aunts, nephews, nieces, cousins, and friends. May you grant them supernatural peace that Jesus promised, and may may we never forget their sacrifices. We also recognize that even now, we have service members overseas in harm's way. We ask that you would protect and keep them safe, bless and strengthen their families, and grant them success. We pray these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. God bless you.
0: To truly observe Memorial Day is to do just that. It's to remember our military servants who have given their lives to serve us. And as we remember them, we should also grieve over those who have lost their lives And when we grieve, we need to hear words of comfort. And praise God, he is the God of all comfort. Uh, Praise God, he gives us comfort. He speaks comfort to us in his word. In fact, the day before Jesus gave his life, the ultimate sacrifice to serve us, Jesus spoke words of comfort to his disciples. These are words that we began looking at last week, words that we're going to continue this week from John chapter 14. But Jesus said to his followers, he said, Do not let your hearts be troubled So how can we know the way? Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. No one comes to the Father except through me. Father, as we open your word now, as we hear from you, would you guide us that we might know you, that we might know Jesus, the way, the truth, and the life. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. You know, I love the transparency of John's gospel here. Uh, this pericope um, in Jesus' farewell discourse, as it's often called, which is just a reference to this series, these chapters, John chapter 13 and following, uh, of instruction that Jesus gives to his disciples uh, on the day before he's crucified. But in this particular pericope in John chapter 13 and chapter 14, John recounts several questions from the disciples for their savior. In other words, they're portrayed the disciples are portrayed these men are portrayed as uh, real live flesh and blood guys who love Jesus but who are still struggling to understand him. In chapter 13 verse 36, Simon Peter asked Jesus, he said, "Lord, where are you going?" Chapter 14 verse 5, Thomas says to the Lord, he says, "Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way?" Same chapter 14 verse 8. Philip, one of the disciples, says to Jesus, he says, Lord, show us the Father, and that'll be enough for us. Lord, Lord, show us. Would would you show us the Father, and and we'll be content with that. We'll be satisfied with that. And every time, Jesus answers his disciples by pointing them to himself. With Peter, he says, you can't follow me now, but you will later. With Thomas, he says, I am the way, Thomas. With Philip, he says, if you've seen me, you have already seen the Father. In essence, Jesus is saying, you need me. That's all. That's enough. Jesus is saying to his people, I am sufficient for you. I am enough for you, friend. Is Jesus enough for you? You Now, I remember uh, the spring of 2007, I remember visiting the big city of Birmingham, Alabama, uh, preparing to move here to begin my seminary studies at Beeson Divinity School. And I remember coming, and at the time, my wife, uh, my, my fiance at the time, who became my wife shortly thereafter, actually was looking for a teaching uh, job so that we could uh, support ourselves uh, while we were in Birmingham. And I remember coming and as we were trying to get our bearings and, and, and learn the city, I remember purchasing uh, this fancy multi-page spiral bound map of the city. It was quite nice. Uh, it was one of those that you, every page zooms in on a different part of the city. And so in an attempt to, to learn the city, I began studying this map. And this was still the early days of, of Google Maps. This was at the very beginning of the iPhone. And so I needed some help to help me visualize the place called Birmingham and navigate the major roadways that travel from place to place across uh, this city. I don't know where that map is now. Uh, probably doesn't really matter because um, printed maps have quickly become nearly obsolete, but I can't help but think of a map when Thomas responds to Jesus, Lord, we don't know where you're going, so how can we know the way? His response is indicative, I think, of uh, the intrinsic desire in each of us to determine our own steps, uh, to chart our own course. Uh, to make our own path, to make our own way, to climb our own ladder, so to speak, to God. It's as if Thomas says to Jesus, Okay, Lord, tell us a little more clearly where you're going, and we'll meet you there. We'll find the way. Tell us where you're going. Reading between the lines just a bit. Jesus responds, I just told you I'm going to the Father's house. And, and yes, you know the way. You know the way because you know me. You want a map to follow. You want a checklist to tick. You want a list of steps to accomplish. But you just need me. Jesus says, trust me. And I'll get you there. Put your faith in me. Trust me. I'll get you there. I am the way. Friends, Jesus is the way to the Father. That's what Jesus is saying here. That's what John is saying here. That's what the Word is saying here. Jesus is the way to the Father. Sometimes we forget, church, that we're headed somewhere else. Uh, sometimes we forget that our Savior's message was primarily about another place, another kingdom. Uh, sometimes we forget that sin results in death and that this earth that we now reside on is in decay, and so are we. We, we forget that we're strangers we're foreigners. We're, we're aliens and exiles in a foreign land. And as a result, we work and work and work to build our own kingdoms here. We might not say it this way, but we plan and we purchase an attempt to bring our preferred heaven down to earth. We buy big houses and expensive toys, whatever we can afford. We construct privacy fences and we beautify our lawns. We run to Lowe's and the Home Depot when we're advised to stay at home. If we're going to be stuck at home, we want to look, we want to like our home, right? And in and of itself, that's okay. That's fine. I don't, I don't think that's wrong, nothing wrong with these things, as long as they never become ultimate things, as long as we keep that in perspective. You see, no matter how hard you try, your earthly home will never be your permanent home. This place will never be heaven will never be heaven to you i saw where michael jordan's more than 36,000 square foot mansion outside of chicago uh is for sale for 14.9 million dollars that's a lot of money uh, but if you think that's a lot of money back in 2012 he listed it uh the first time for 29 million dollars Due to all the personalized touches, perhaps, it has not yet sold. You know, MJ is reported to have lived there for 19 years and built this mansion uh, to his specifications, to his desires. It's, it's loaded with nine bedrooms, a whopping 19 uh, bathrooms, uh, a regulation size indoor basketball court, a tennis court, uh, uh, an, an infinity pool, whatever that is, a, a tennis court, a putting green. The list could go on and on. Can you imagine what this house must look like? I mean, really, can you imagine what it might feel like to walk inside uh, and to settle down there? I'm sure it's pretty posh, uh, but it's no heaven. You see, it's no heaven because it was built according to human specifications. It was built by human hands in order to meet human wants. You see, heaven is built with God's hands with His plans in mind, ultimately even with human needs in mind. And more than anything, friends, we need God. We need Him. We need to know Him and to be with Him. We need the God of heaven. We need a right relationship with our Maker so that we can enjoy Him, so that we can live for Him and with Him. Forever And as we saw last week, here Jesus is describing such a future with him. See, this text, Jesus' words are about being with him, which according to Jesus is also about being with the Father. It's about being with God, which is what we need more than anything. Jesus' words here are good news. This is gospel news for a sinful people like you and like me. Because they're words of restoration, words of hope, they're words of mending what has been broken, they're a message of mercy, a story of God's grace given to every single believer in Jesus. Friend, is your faith in yourself or is it in Jesus? Is your faith ultimately in yourself or is it in Jesus? I want you to know, church, that I need to hear this message today as much as any of you. As a pastor, as a preacher, I I need to hear afresh every day that my call, the call that God has placed upon my life is to make much of Jesus and little of me when everything in my flesh tells me otherwise. In the words of the forerunner of Jesus, John the Baptist. And Jesus comes on the scene and John chapter 3, John the Baptist says he must become greater. Jesus must become greater. The Messiah must become greater. He must become more known, more magnified. And I must become less. So friends, we can stop trying to achieve the good life. We can Cease aiming to store up enough good deeds. We can quit searching for the right path and simply trust in the person and provision of Jesus the Christ. He is the way. Jesus is the way to the Father, which which is exactly what we need. He is what we need. And he's saying here, the way to the Father has been opened up. The path has been paved. The curtain that had formerly separated a sinful People from a sinless God has been torn into the guilt of our sin, has been assumed by Jesus of Nazareth, the fullness of God in human flesh, who lived the life that we couldn't. That guilt, the guilt from sin, our sin, has been paid in full by Christ Jesus on the cross of Calvary. Paul states it this way in Colossians chapter 2, he says, when you were dead in your sins, and in the uncircumcision of your flesh. In other words, when you were running from God, when you were an unbeliever disregarding God with no desire to know him or to honor him, when you were dead in your sins and in the uncircumcision of your flesh, God made you alive with Christ. God did this. He resurrected you. He resuscitated you. He brought you back to life. He changed you. He rescued you. He forgave us all our sins, Paul says. Having canceled the charge of our legal indebtedness, Cancelled our debt, which stood against us. We can never pay it. And it condemned us. He has taken it away, nailing it to the cross. It's been paid in full. Friends, this is good news. God has accomplished this on our behalf. This is the inclusiveness of the gospel. That there is a way, despite our failure, Despite our shortcomings, despite our guilt before God, there is a way in Jesus to a home in heaven with God. In Jesus, there is a way to the Father. And Jesus says, if you know me, you know the way. Put your faith in me. Jesus says, trust me and I'll get you there. But even so, you know, sometimes I think we treat Jesus like we treat Siri. Ever use Siri for directions? Uh, hey, Siri, uh, give me directions to Destin, Florida. So Siri pulls up directions, a map to Destin, and we begin to follow the steps that she has laid out for us, right? Until we think there's a better way. Until we think maybe she's not telling us something. Maybe she's not telling us that there's a less traveled, a less known back road, a shortcut to get there. Or maybe it's the other way around. Maybe she's taking us on the back road, and we don't want to go on the back road. Maybe we want the main way, the highway, the large way. We don't care if it takes us a little longer to get there. We want to have plenty of pit stops. We want to have opportunities to piddle and eat whenever we want to along the way. Now, I wonder if you ever treat Christ that way, or is it just me? Jesus, I know you said to trust you and That's enough. But today, my way feels better to me. God, I I know that your word says salvation is by your grace. It's a a gift, a, a free gift that you have extended. But today, I feel so guilty. So I just cannot believe that Jesus paid for this sin. Or Lord, when I read the Bible, I I hear you saying that your love for me and your acceptance of me is not tied to my performance. It's not something I could earn. It's not a list of rules to, to tick off. It's not a list of things to accomplish on my own. But I can't help but think I've got to earn your favor. So God, be sure to notice what I do for you today. is your faith in yourself or is your faith in Jesus Jesus said "You, you know the way to the place where I'm going I am the way Friend, Jesus is the way to the Father, and I would be amiss today in a day of privatized religion and practical pluralism if I didn't emphasize not only the inclusive nature of the gospel, but also the exclusive nature of what Jesus is saying here. Jesus is the way to the Father, and Jesus is the only way to the Father. This is what he said. This is not what I have to say. This is what our Lord said. Jesus answered, I am the way and the truth and the life. And in case we might misunderstand him, in case his disciples would misunderstand him, he spells it out quite clearly. He says, no one comes to the Father except through me. You see, there is no other path. Jesus is the path. He is the way. And elsewhere where uh, Peter is preaching in Acts chapter 4, he's, he's defending uh, his proclamation of the gospel He's defending his commitment to Jesus and the message that he is sharing of of salvation by grace through faith and arisen Jesus Christ. And when he's confronted by the rulers of his day for doing just that, he's confronted by the, the religious leaders of the day, the same ones who arrested and killed Jesus. He said to them, he said in Acts chapter 4, verse 11, he says, Jesus is the stone you builders rejected. He's the one that that you have rejected, which has become the cornerstone. He goes on to say, he says, salvation is found in no one else. For there is no other name under heaven given to mankind by which we must be saved. In other words, if you reject Jesus, you reject the most important piece of God's plan to save you for without jesus we remain dead in our sins we remain in a position to receive the due penalty for our sins but through jesus god grants us forgiveness and life yes eternal life with him in the father's house for the wages of sin is death paul says the wages of sin is death what what we've earned what we deserve what we've accomplished and achieved is is death we we this is what we deserve The scripture says, for the wages of sin is death, but the gift of God, but the free gift of God, but the gracious gift of God is eternal life in Christ Jesus our Lord. He goes on to say to Timothy, he says, for there is one God and one mediator between God and mankind. There's one God, only one God. And there's a mediator between this God and a broken humanity. There's one God and one mediator between God and mankind. He says, the man, Christ Jesus, the God-man, the one who is fully God and fully man. Friend, we need this one. We need a substitute and a mediator for without these we remain dead in our sins. We remain guilty before God and unable to enter the perfect paradise of God and unable to enjoy the all-sufficient and satisfying presence of God. Jesus is the way to the Father and He is the only way to the Father, the only path providing full reconciliation. Friends, He is the only way home for us. And when our Lord Tells his disciples, I am the way. He knew what he meant. On this night, he knew what he was saying. He knew full well what would have to be done. In the words of James Montgomery Boyce, Jesus knew what it meant to be the way. It meant that he had to go to the cross, he had to die, he had to suffer. He had to have the Father turn his back on him while he was made sin for us. He had to have the wrath of God poured out upon him. That is what it meant when the Lord Jesus Christ said, I am the way. No one comes to the Father except through me. Yet he said it. Friend, and yet he said it. He said it. And he did it. He did it. He went on to the garden where he knew he would be betrayed, where he knew he would be arrested, where he would be beaten, where he would be flogged and mocked, where he would experience an unjust and rapid trial. He knew that ultimately he would carry his cross on the Via Dolorosa, that he would go to Golgotha, that he would give his life away. On the cross of Calvary. And that ultimately, he would be raised back to life by the power of God. He he knew where he was going. He knew the weight of what lie ahead. And yet, he did it. Do you believe it? Do you believe it? Do you believe Jesus? Will you receive it? Will you put your faith in him? You too, friend, now know the way. You know the way. You've heard the way. Jesus says to those who know him, he says, you know the way to the place where I'm going. You-, you know me. I am the way. Won't you trust the one who is the way? Put your faith in Jesus today. Friend, put your faith in Jesus today. And As we prepare to transition and to respond to the Lord through singing, as we prepare to to lay our lives before him, to to bow before him, to exalt him, to behold this one who is high and lofty and majestic and splendid and yet who has stooped down to save us. Let me caution you against thinking that this is a message, that this is a word for someone else. Friend, if you're an unbeliever, this is a word for you, a call for you to repent and to trust in the one who is the way, the one who has opened the way one who reveals to you the love of the Father, the one who longs to save you. If you're a believer, this is a call to you and to me every day to hear the gospel anew and afresh and to build our lives upon Jesus and His finished work for us on the cross, to walk by faith in Him. Put your faith in Him today. Trust Him. Trust the one who is the way. Father, help us to trust you. Father, help us to to walk by faith in Jesus. Lord, to recognize the extent of your mercy and your grace. Lord, you have loved us with an unfailing love, a rescuing love, an incomparable love. Father, help us to receive your love and to walk by faith in your Son, Jesus, our Savior. Lord, hear our praise now. So we lift our voice in song to you, as we sing of your worth, as we bow before you in prayer, Lord, would you stir our hearts to praise you, for you are worthy. It's in the name of Jesus we pray. Amen.